0: Hey there, happy holidays, and happy Blackhawks victory. Welcome to our Blackhawks Crazy Podcast, as we tape after the Wednesday night victory. Yes, victory. 6-3 over the Pittsburgh Penguins to snap the long eight-game losing streak. This team has been suffering through, the fans have been suffering through, the entire organization has been suffering through, and your pre- and post-game host on WGN Radio have been suffering through. Chris Bowden, no, not really. I got the easy job out of all of this. I'm not up late at night trying to figure this thing out. Joined, as always, by the Chelsea blogger, the NHL.com correspondent, Scott King. And Scott, as we look back on the end of this losing streak, uh, this team started out the way that they need to start out and actually went more than a half a first period without giving up a goal, but the good news is that they played well, probably better than they have at any time during this long streak, and they got rewarded for it with the type of way that they were playing from the outset. I guess they finally figured out what music combination to play or, you know, which leg to put uh, your or which pant leg to put your leg through first. Uh, they, were, they were wrestling with all this, but most importantly, they went out and played the way that Jeremy Carlton has been pleading for them to play for so long.
1: Yeah, I have been up all night, every night, thinking about this, and I wrote a blog about it. That's why uh, you're yawning, yawning right yawning now right, as we right, take Exactly, it a little behind the curtain for you. Uh, yeah, no, and I wrote about it yesterday. It's, it, to me, everything really was the start, because you look at how they played in Winnipeg um, last night, so it would be Tuesday, mm-hmm. Tuesday night, in Winnipeg. Um, you know, a poor start, and then they had to try to claw their way back, uh, like they always have. But, but there were some some good things in that game, and and it, it was all about the starts. So this losing streak, you say it's all about every start not starting the right way, and there's some other things in there, but but a lot of positive. And uh, they started better tonight. It, they had to jump. They it's a jump, and and get the two goals and lead right away is exactly what you needed.
0: It's not all about the base. It's all it's all about the start. And but let, let's be in making that point about how you know resilient that they are in in coming back and getting back into these games that they fall behind in so quickly. Uh, another equation of that of that, and and Troy has said it, Eddie O has said it on the air, and even Jeremy Colliton said it afterwards, uh, following that loss in Winnipeg. Uh, you get ahead three or four goals. Every team in the NHL is—it's human nature for them to put the, their foot off the gas a little bit, and that helps enable the Hawks to get back into games. Credit to the Hawks for for not, you know, tanking it and and you know punching the clock and, and quitting in the second period of games. The effort is still there to a certain extent, but it also has to do with some of these other teams who. Most of which, you know, have a have a deeper, more talented roster at this point than the Blackhawks, you know, letting their foot off the gas, and 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 that has to certainly be considered in in weighing all of
1: this. Yeah, and I just remembered that when Russ, you know, scored his first goal of the hat trick, it became two to one towards the end of the first, and uh, I guess you could throw this into starting the second. That Calton said. Maybe last game, uh, last home game. Anytime anything bad happens to us, we stop playing for them. It was last night actually, and I and I happened to see it on, on Tuesday night. So the good news was, you know, they they got the goal that made it two to one. They let a guy get a hat trick, but they didn't stop playing. You know, it's a lot. Of, a couple of bad things happened, but they didn't stop playing. They didn't hang their heads. They played hard for the the fullest sixty minutes we've probably seen all season, mm-hmm. and uh, made it count.
0: There were. uh, This is not a perfect game by any means. There were some real, you know, fundamental, basic mistakes. Uh, You know, Brent Seabrook made a couple of turnovers in this game that uh, led to a couple of Russ goals, and there were other uh, plays made that probably weren't the right ones that would lead to some Pittsburgh pressure. Um, But the Blackhawks, by and large, were able to, to weather that particular storm. So. Uh, The cleanup continues, um, and it's going to be interesting to see just what this one victory may do for them Friday night against a team that scores has scored rather easily against the Blackhawks as they see Winnipeg again for the third time in the span of about, I think, 15 or 16 days as they visit the United Center and even though the fact they're home this is the, that will be the second of four consecutive home games the opponents aren't going to get any easier either with San Jose coming in on Sunday and then the Nashville Predators on Tuesday to close things out it's really a furious schedule here leading up to the holiday break um after the the 23rd in which the entire league gets the Christmas Eve, Christmas Day, and the day after off, and um, the tests never stopped coming. I'm just, I'm just happy for the team's sake that you know they were able to finally come through, probably take a, a deep breath, a sigh of relief, if you will, and and for Jeremy and the coaching staff because uh, he hasn't been without a couple of subtle zingers in assessing this team as. The problems have gone along, but uh, I'm glad he's probably going to finally get a day away from it all on Thursday to spend some time with his family, uh, as well as the rest of the coaching staff, B- Barry Smith and, and Don Granado to uh, finally exhale a little bit
1: here. Yeah, they've had the kind of schedule while dealing with all these things and trying to shake a losing streak that makes you just want to drink a bunch of eggnog <laughs> when you finally get a couple of days off. So, I Actually, I missed uh, Carlton trying to, to do some of the – Penguins coverage. How did he sound in the clips uh, on the post game on Wednesday? Yes. Uh, yeah, he was. Uh, he was. He was fine, and
0: he was saying that they finally got rewarded. They played the right way, um, and it, and it's something that he did not quite say. Uh, obviously, after Thursday's uh, Tuesday's loss in Winnipeg, uh, one of his comments after that loss was that the Jets came out and played like men. <laughs> which
1: I didn't know where to go there. Yeah, which that was a great quote.
0: Yeah, which you know is is. A tip of the hat but at the same time you know it's not exactly putting your own team in the highest regard and you know I, i'm glad after a couple of weeks he was very delicate in some of the w- things that he was saying when he first took over the job but as this has gone along you could tell more and more that he was getting tired of it no he's not going to be john tortorella or anyone like that but um to to let them know hey It's been five weeks here. We've tried to implement some things, and the very bare minimum you can give is an all-out effort from the jump, and that's something that's been lacking. And even though there is, I still think, personally, a talent gap between this Blackhawks roster and a lot of the teams that they play, the effort level and the focus... Has to be a lot better than it had been
1: yeah, that had to rise and it, and it did Wednesday night and Wednesday morning. It seemed like a lot of people were in the media were kind of making a big deal out of that 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 mm-hmm. quote you just said and you know I, I think it 's a, a couple of things i don't, you know i 't think it was uh, he didn 't he didn't mean it too derogatory towards his team. I think just the simple fact that he 's running out of words it 's this they 've been losing the same way. For what, weeks now, uh, until Wednesday night, so I think you know maybe to motivate his team a little bit to, to give the Jets credit, like you said, but he's just running. He was just running out of things to say.
0: And uh, before the game on on Wednesday, some roster moves were made, and the way this roster is, there's not a whole lot of flexibility. Uh, that uh, the personnel department can do with call-ups from Rockford and who they can send back down. You also almost have to make the opportunities to play with some new bodies and new faces come when a guy gets injured. And this was a case for the Blackhawks with Eric Gustafson under the weather for a second straight game. Artem Anisimov, unfortunately, in concussion protocol after that hit by Shea Weber on on Sunday against the Montreal Canadiens. And really unfortunate because Anisimov was seemingly finding his game over the course of the past week or so. But that prompted an opportunity to send Alexander 14 down, see what Carl Dahlstrom, a guy who was up last season, could do, see if his game has grown and he can contribute uh, in to what's been still a a very porous defensive core at times, overall defensive game for this team at times, and also giving Dylan Sakura a look. and. Uh, Let's face it, one of the reasons that Dylan Sakura was sent down at the end of training camp when a lot of people expected him to make this team was his play away from the puck. And Jeremy Colleton said as much. Derek King, Colleton's successor in Rockford, said as much. Don't be in a hurry to make it to the NHL because when you get there – we want you to stay there. Uh, it's not a finished product by any means, but at least Sakura, along with some increased production, had been showing signs of a greater commitment to do that down in Rockford. Uh, it's going to have to reach an, a, an entirely different level up here with his size and the type of game that he has had to this point through his college career and the start of his professional career. That He's really going to have to be focused on that commitment to provide what this team is Sorely lacking and sorely needs from really the start of the season up until this point.
1: Yeah, he's a friend of the podcast right. from the convention, along with his brother, who is here, who, who came to watch him. Oh, I didn't know that. Yeah, I saw he's talking to him. Uh, looked like they're kind of breaking down the game in, in the tunnel here after. And I was telling our friend Jackie Redmond uh, today on the NHL Network that he, you know Sakura is maybe. Possibly, you could say the biggest disappointment of training camp because I think everyone expected him to start the season in Chicago, and he got three assists in five games. Then last season looked good. I, I think yeah, people probably were, were on to his defensive game needing improvement, like you said. But you know, I think he looked pretty good Wednesday night. He was—he was his line was one of those lines that was buzzing pretty early, a lot of good chances. So. Yeah, and, and, and he, he showed a little
0: bit more uh, end-to-end responsibility. I thought it wasn't perfect by any means, but. He can't be a fourth-line guy. He's going to have to be a top-nine guy. He certainly has the capability of doing that, but it's a matter of maturing into the NHL game. Uh, on the other end of things, I thought Carl Dahlstrom, who uh, I was impressed with when he first came up with his first handful of games here a year ago, uh, his size, he can skate, uh, he, he makes he's not fancy, but he makes smart plays, and Jeremy Colleton relied on him a whole lot in this game against Pittsburgh, playing upwards of 22 minutes Lots of key ice time when Pittsburgh had some uh, power play opportunities. Granted, it was only two, but putting him in some key situations and he was out there on the ice toward the end when the Blackhawks were trying to protect that lead and ended up getting a couple of empty netters. I always liked him down there. I think the league kind of figured him out last year towards the end of that 11-game stint up here. Was a real solid contributor to Rockford's playoff run. And this is another one of those guys. If the if the Blackhawks are so inclined to send Henry Yoki Hari to the World Junior Championships for a couple of weeks, and they're trying to look at other guys and make some decisions about the future of who might be a contributor on the blue line down the road. Um, this is another guy that they might be able to take a longer look at. And, you know, so far, so good in, in what's been a short sample size after the game against Pittsburgh.
1: Yeah, he got a, an assist in a season debut. I think his shot hit. His shot was the one that hit martinson, right it was fun the writers were kind of debating along with Martinson in the room where the puck hit him. Martinson didn't even know he thought maybe it hit him on the side. I watched it a couple times on his chest uh Jimmy Greenfield, I think somebody else thought his back, so and he's like he's like, "I don't know, but uh, you know I uh scored my first NHL goal <laughs> it hit me in the groin right so it was uh it was pretty funny.
0: I have to go back and look up that first NHL goal to, to see how he accomplished that. We were talking about Dylan Sakura, and uh, when he showed up for work, actually I saw him here uh, early on Wednesday morning with his sticks over his shoulder and his equipment bag as, as he lugged his way towards the Blackhawks locker room. And then a couple of hours before the game, he met with some reporters, and uh, here's what uh, Dylan Sakura had to say about how much growth he had and what he tried to do with the 20. 20- six games he spent in Rockford up until this point getting nine
2: goals and nine assists just improving my game you know getting back to being myself you know playing with some confidence um, you know it was a great uh, great thing going down there with uh, you know Kinger taking over and I think uh, he did a good job of kind of letting us you know do our own thing and kind of feel ourselves out there and I think uh, you over know, the last couple of weeks I think we we're getting better and uh, you know myself I think started feeling more confident in my play and uh, you know that's good yeah, I think I'm in a lot better spot I think uh, you know the adjustments to the pro hockey level is pretty tough and kind of found that out the hard way, but uh, you know, I think I'm going to use the experience uh, from two years ago now uh, when I was up here and uh, obviously the, the time down in Rockford and you know, hopefully uh, have a better jump start here.
1: How long do you feel like it took
0: you
2: to get over the fact that you started in Rockford and then you know, crossing the road getting back there? Yeah, I think pretty much once you once you go down there, I think uh, you kind of realize that. and um, I think uh, you know, for me, it was, it was important to go down there with a positive mindset, and you know, I think some guys that go down there, they kind of were not too happy about it, but I think uh, you know it's something that's going to benefit me in the long run. I think I got a lot from it, and, you know, improved my game and just getting adjusted, uh, adjusted to the to this level. And uh, you know, hopefully uh, it, it'll show here. I think Jeremy's done a good job of when taking over, and I know it's tough for him, but I think uh, you know having him down there and, and learning from him, and obviously coming up here, it's the same kind of systems and you know the same tactics that, that he was uh, you know having with us down in Rockford there. So I think that's a, a that'll help a lot just with. Make an adjustment a little easier.
3: Have you had to be patient, or has this been tough at all waiting for this?
2: Ah, uh, I think uh, you know it's obviously down there. It's a it's a physical grind, but I think it's a, it's a mental thing more than anything. I think obviously there's times down there when you question yourself and you question your play or when you're going to come up and, and stuff like that. But I think it's important just to leave that behind. Uh, you know you got to know you're here for a reason, and uh, when you're when you're tra- when you're called, you got to be able to step up to the plate. I want
0: you having your brother down
2: there to keep you on that track, help. Yeah, it was awesome. Um, you know even from the first day, uh, they had an extra spot in the house, so moving in with them and, you know, he pretty much did everything, everything together, uh, you know, going to the rink, you know, is a guy that uh, I'm able to talk to about my play and, um, you know, it was awesome having him there um, and I hope uh, continued success for them.
0: One thing you know, Derek was asked about a week ago, a week or so ago about your play, and he mentioned still uh, needing to improve away from the puck. Has that been the, way, the main area of focus?
2: Yeah, yeah, that's something I focus on. I think, uh, you know, when... People kind of describe my game. I think sometimes they kind of say that they're all, he's all over the ice and, and stuff like that. I think that's something that I can bring to the table, you know, uh, just on the forecheck, kind of relentless pressure and, and kind of someone that you can be noticed all over the ice and, you know, creating turnovers and whatnot.
1: It, do you feel any pressure coming up here? Where I know
2: mean, there's a
3: lot of expectations about you and, and fans wanting you to come up, and do, do you feel that at
2: all? Ah, I mean, I think you got to be human and feel a little bit of pressure, but I think that's good and that's part of the game, and that's part of the reason why uh, you love to play the game. And uh, obviously, you, it's a little magnifying here, playing in Chicago with a, an organization like this. But I think you know that comes to the territory, and uh, you know, I'm ready for whatever happens.
4: Do you, come, do you come up, you know, really determined to yeah. say?
1: Remember going back down you know once i'm up i'm up or, or, or do you have to be more low,
0: you know, to go
2: with the and, yeah. yeah i think that was a big thing uh you know talking to Kinger over the last couple of weeks is he you know kind of said don't be in a rush to get to the nhl because when you're up there you don't want to come back and that's something that i kind of focus on and, and tried to learn from and you know hopefully that's the case how much does it help having jeremy here and maybe having that communication aspect of where he knows exactly where you fit in and yeah, it's awesome. Uh, you know, like I said, I really enjoyed my time down there when he was there. And I think, uh, you know, he's just a very smart coach. He brings a lot to the table. And, uh, you know, hopefully here I can kind of find my game here.
0: Sakura ends up playing, just as I look at the score sheet here, uh, a total of nine and a half minutes. Uh, all of them at even strength got uh, one shot off, had a couple of takeaways as well. So that's encouraging too and he was uh, spent time on a line for most of the night with David Camp who I, I think is one of these guys who is starting to grow into his game. Jeremy Collison really likes him um, and and you know Camp is is a guy he trusts and relies upon. He was also on a line with Brendan Perlini who continues to be you know, real quiet so far after the acquisition from the Arizona Coyotes who's going on uh, seven games here, seven, eight games after a healthy scratch on Sunday against Montreal got a little under 11 minutes of uh, ice time, was also sent to the penalty box in this game against the Pittsburgh Penguins. So I think while we're encouraged by what uh, Dylan Strom has been able to do so far, still waiting on, you know, a, a guy... A lot of people had the opinion may have been the more impressive of the acquisitions at the time based on his body of work so far in the NHL. You know, Perlini has 13 and 17 goal seasons under his belt, but it's really been a struggle here for him so far. And again, one thing Jeremy Colleton said that he wants more from Parlini is the way he put it, RPMs. He wants his his motor running without the puck, helping his line mates out, particularly in the defensive end, and uh, we're still waiting to see some fruition on that. A couple of encouraging notes here. From that Pittsburgh game as well, uh, Jonathan Taves, three points. He's over 700 for his career. He put kind of the finishing touches with the empty netter and then the assist on the sec- second empty netter in that game. So Jonathan Taves with a three-point night. Patrick Kane appears to be picking up a little bit more momentum in his offensive game um, as he has a a nice point streak going as well. And Alex Debrinkit with goals in back-to-back games. After having such a solid start to the season, he was real quiet for a long stretch. Actually uh, came into the Tuesday game against Winnipeg. So look back at some of the numbers. At that point, he had just three goals in his previous 21 games, 12 on the season uh, or 11 on the season. But he comes back with back-to-back goals Uh, against winnipeg and then against pittsburgh so you know some of the top guns kind of getting back up to speed is something encouraging and hope is something to, to build upon and continue at least through uh, this homestand leading up to the holiday break.
1: I think Debrinket had the prettiest goal on Wednesday. Skates yeah. around Olimata, puts it right under the crossbar. That was that was beautiful. Mm-hmm.
0: And uh, uh, and the Blackhawks even coming through on the power play too because Pittsburgh's uh, penalty kill had been lights out over the course of the last uh, several games. last 12 games going into Wednesday night's game 27 of, of 29.
1: I wanted to Say a quick thing about Perlini, I I know he does need to do more, and yeah, people thought he was possibly the uh, the better player in that deal. At least you know with his track record, like you said, Chris. I thought he was one of the most noticeable guys, at least early in the first. I think you can credit some of that kind of uh, surge. The team, I, I thought he's very noticeable. I noticed him, but he uh, had a little jam in his game. Yeah, but no, and then he wasn't as the game went on. But um, maybe there, there, there still might be some, uh, some hope there. Yeah, uh,
0: it's going to take some time, and and you know I had a little back and forth along with. Uh, um, Emily Kaplan was, was in that scrum. Uh, you were as well, Tracy Myers, in talking to Mike Sullivan, Pittsburgh's head coach. And here's a guy who was, you can't really say it's a similar situation as Jeremy Colleton because Jeremy comes in with minimal head coaching experience. Mike Sullivan's a guy who previously, years ago, coached the Boston Bruins for a stretch and was Pittsburgh's uh, head coach at their minor league affiliate a few years back at Wilkes-Barre. And got the promotion in the 2015 2016 season when the Penguins decided to step away from Mike Johnston. Mike Sullivan comes in and uh, takes over and eventually ends up leading the team that season to the first of consecutive Stanley Cups that they had in twenty sixteen and twenty seventeen. Now Grant and Mike Sullivan wasn't there for Pittsburgh's earlier run when they made the final in twenty oh eight, won the cup in twenty oh nine, but he's very familiar, even in the you know, the, the three plus years he's on the job now, the fact that teams like the Blackhawks and like the Pittsburgh Penguins, these two teams that have won each won three Stanley Cups over the course of the past decade have kind of tried to manage the same blueprint and that's keeping three or four of their core key uh, your key core superstar players together pay them and have them be the anchors of your roster while you know mixing and matching the other puzzle pieces around parts.
1: it right so moving parts around them yeah. and it's
0: constantly and and Stan Bowman did a, a great job of doing that. Uh, In 2013 and 2015, after what he has to do following the 2010 championship, it's been much more of a challenge here over the last couple of years, as the Blackhawks have not been able to, A, make the playoffs, or B, when they make the playoffs, not last very long in it. So... Obviously, we know the Twitterverse is all over Stan, you know, and people can have have their opinions on on that if they want to. They need to find their some ways to vent and whatnot. Um, you yeah, know, to- trade
1: was good. The last trade was good, not only for the Blackhawks but for the Coyotes too. Schmaltz have what three or four now.
0: Yeah, he's got four. As does Dylan Strome in uh, Schmaltz in seven or eight games. Dylan Strome now in nine games, I think. So that part's encouraging. Um, If Brendan Perlini can can step up his game, you know, uh, then I think that that sways in the Blackhawks' favor. But getting back to Sullivan, you know, we talked to him a little bit about the challenges of constantly trying to find different pieces, effective pieces that will work and be difference makers around the superstars like Pittsburgh has with Crosby and Malkin and Latang, and earlier Marc-Andre Fleury, uh, the challenges of trying to find some of those pieces. And, uh, you know, when we asked him about it uh, ahead of Wednesday night's game, uh, he would later... Expand on it a little bit, but he wanted to make sure heading into Wednesday night's game, despite an eight-game losing streak, the respect he had for the guys in the other locker room down the hallway.
3: When you look at uh, the accomplished players that are in that dressing room, uh, you know I, I think there's a certain level of respect there that that they command, and and it's deserving. And uh, they're a good team. Every team has gone through their struggles this this year. Uh, we're no different what's happening over there in, in the other locker room they've built their team a lot like
0: for success a lot like you know the, the penguins did with the cornerstone pieces but how important is the refreshing that roster and continuing to get effective pieces to build around those cornerstone guys
3: well, I, I you know I, I just think it's it's part of uh, today's game within a salary cap world. It's very difficult for any organization to keep their teams intact for any length of time because, to a certain extent, you become a victim of your own success, and and I think. Uh, You know, I think Chicago has done a remarkable job of reworking their lineup year in and year out around their core pieces to be competitive, and uh, you know that's been our challenge here in in Pittsburgh as well. So, uh, but I do think that's part of the reality of today's game and the economics. I think uh, the the way the business of the game is uh, is set up, I think it forces organizations to have to continue to look for um, you know fresh fresh people to come in and uh... And energize the the environment. Uh, you know, like we we talk a lot with our group, but just about about trying to get some young guys on our roster every year that uh, that can come in. And uh, usually they're on entry level contracts, so they you know from a salary cap standpoint, it, it, it's friendly in that regard. And but they also bring they bring energy and th- and, and things of that sort that that I think uh, inspire the veteran guys and the core guys. And so uh, you know when. With our experience here in Pittsburgh over the last couple of years, we've had a couple of guys every year that have come, on, that have that have played their way onto the roster, and that have have been impact players for us. And uh, that's, I think, that's an important part of trying to stay competitive year in and year out. As a
2: case coaching. How difficult is it to come in um, as a coach with
3: an already seasoned roster and inject your voice in there? Kind of what's going on with Jeremy Colligan? Well, it's you know it's. It's always uh, it's always a challenge, you know. When when you have a uh, an accomplished veteran core group, um, you know it, it's it's a matter of I, I think just trying to instill your beliefs and your convictions. And uh, and but that that's that's the challenge when when you when you take that type of a team over. You know, our team is is very similar in that regard.
0: They have to have that line of communication, though, with Jim, and Jim is very aggressive. Uh, How how open is that line of communication in terms of?
3: moves that you think you need to make with Jim Rutherford yeah um well he uh, it's very open I you know we we've got a very transparent relationship you know Jim and I talk daily and uh about our team Jim's around our team all the time he he has a great feel for for our team and what its needs are and the the temperament of the group and um and you know I, I just think that's just uh that's one of Jim's strengths is um he's a great listener uh but he's also uh his management style is—he's just very transparent. The lines of communication are are very open, and, and we talk daily.
0: Interesting stuff there from Mike Sullivan, and talking about his boss Jim Rutherford, who is, you know, uh, kind of the opposite of what Stan Bowman is. Stan pretty much reserved in his way. Jim Rutherford isn't afraid to go out there. Make some quotes out there in the media and the public and wheel and deal. He's done it a couple of times here in bringing guys in like Marcus Pedersen in the trade with Anaheim. Uh, a couple of other moves here and there trying to mix and match and find pieces to roster. Tanner Pearson was the other one in the trade with the LA Kings. So it's a lot of moving parts more so than Stan Bowman and the Blackhawks in trying to find these right combinations while the quote unquote window remains open. So I hope you enjoyed that. Um, So we're we're bearing down pretty quickly here on Winter Classic um, 2019. South Bend, Notre Dame Stadium, Blackhawks, and the Boston Bruins. And uh, there's something really cool that's going to be a part of that here in downtown Chicago coming up. And it's called the Winter Classic Park. It's going to be right basically in the epicenter where a lot of people spend time during their holiday break. In Millennium Park, you got the rink, you got the bean. Um, And uh, this Winter Classic Park is going to be right in Pritzker Pavilion there in Millennium Park. And judging by the things we've heard about, Scott, you're excited to bring the family on down yeah, when it opens.
1: I am. I actually, I actually talked to some people from the NHL about it. I did a story on it for Chicago Magazine and stuff. It's going to be at the park, stuff they're going to do for Winter Classic, info on how to get there in the TV broadcast. So uh, that's up on my social media. But yes, I'm excited about what they're doing at J. Pritzker Pavilion. I am going to bring my family, I think. You know, there's, there's a few days there, and uh, I'm, I'm sure you'll hear. Uh, More here later, and and the info's out there, but uh, a lot of fun stuff for fans. Uh, A lot of uh, some merchandise, and and some games, and maybe the uh, Stanley Cup might make an appearance. Yep,
0: yeah, and in fact it will. Let's let's get some more about that. I had a chance uh, last week to sit down with Steve Mayer, who's the NHL Chief Content Officer and Executive Vice President. He's in charge of all these events, and uh, leading up to the fact that uh, the Winter Classic is in South Bend, but since you know, Blackhawk fans obviously are so centralized here in Chicago and some may or may not have tickets or make the trip down to South Bend for the Winter Classic. Wanted to give them the opportunity to get a taste of some of the excitement going on here in downtown Chicago. And I had a chance to catch up with Steve uh, again, as I said last week, to provide us some of the details of the uh, Winter Classic Park here in downtown Chicago, as well as the lead-up to the actual Winter Classic in South Bend. Here's Steve Mayer.
4: It's really exciting for the NHL, because one of the things, when we when we decided to come to Notre Dame, um, we knew that the game itself was going to be 90 minutes away. So what could we do in Chicago for the Blackhawk fans that would be you know, fun, unique? And we always knew that we had a fan activation around our... Outdoor games, whether it be Winter Classic or our Stadium Series. But, um, you know, we could do something in Chicago that fans could come to get a feel of the Winter Classic without actually having come to the game. And so, why not Millennium Park, which is one of the great landmarks of Chicago? And so let's do it. So we're going to activate, um, you know, for families. One of the beauties is it's free. And, uh, and so we hope we get those who are going to the game, but those who are not, because the experience of the winter classic is, is something special. So like for a family to come down, your kids could put a stick in their hand and shoot pucks. You can meet alumni from both the Blackhawks and the Bruins, although I think those in Chicago, really might not be too interested in brewing alumni.
0: That line will be shorter.
4: Yeah, but the, but the one that's going to be really long, which, by the way, nobody seems to mind waiting in, is to get a picture with the Stanley Cup. So we'll have the Stanley Cup there. And there'll be music concerts. Uh, there's food. There's drink. There's a lot going on. It's really cool. We're going to start it on the 29th of December, 11 to 5, every single day. Uh, We're going to go from 11 to 5, leading up to the Winter Classic. So you've got Friday, Saturday, and Sunday. It's going to be great.
0: I would imagine the previous years, I don't know, a couple years ago in St. Louis, last year around City Field, did you have something similar in those towns leading up to the Classic?
4: So we did. But in both cases, it was outside of the stadium. And although... It wasn't for those who had tickets only. We felt like the majority of people that attended had tickets to the game. They came before the game, and then the next day or that day they went inside the stadium. Um, this is different, and it's a great opportunity for us. For for us at the league, you know, we we want to bring our sport, the NHL, to as many folks as possible, and to be able to activate in Chicago um during a week where everybody's off people are looking for things to do this is perfect
0: and what can you say about i don't know if you had any other choices for locations if you did though i would imagine this where it ends up is probably the number one since everybody's over
4: there yeah yeah and we know that you're going to just get people are just roaming through just checking out chicago they're here on vacation they're just coming to downtown so it's a perfect location it's going to be great um You know, and there's going to be a lot to do. We actually think that a lot of people will come and then come back Mm -hmm. uh, because it'll be a different experience every time, especially since, you know, you're going to get alumni, you're going to see the schedule, music, that'll be a bit different. Uh, But... Uh, it, it will be a great experience and for us it's going to be something to look at for the future as we start to announce games which we're going to start to do beginning on January 1st for the future how are we going to activate these fan experiences in a different way to bring them to as many people as possible.
0: I'm not sure how much you're involved uh, in the behind closed doors process of determining teams and locations for Winter Classic. Whether you are or not, I suppose it can't get much better than where this game is being played and the, and the two franchises that are involved in it.
4: Well, uh, that is a huge part of my job. And, um, and you know, there's a lot of discussion. Uh, it's not just me at the league level. Uh, in this case, um, you know, we always had earmarked Notre Dame. Um, I had an amazing personal experience. Before I got to the NHL, I produced a season with Notre Dame football for Showtime, uh, the TV show and everything about notre dame uh you know the traditions the organization the, the people that work there you know just knew that that was a place we wanted to play and then knew that the blackhawks and the bruins two of the storied franchises uh both you know with with, with great roots to this game the winter classic and you know little irish feel to the game as well doesn't hurt um you know we love this matchup um it you know the beauty of of the winter classic is such an event um for for a sports fan forget a hockey fan it's one of those bucket list events that you you want to go to you want to experience um it doesn't really matter who's playing it's it's the taking it all in it's so unique but for us to have the Bruins, the Blackhawks, it's okay. We're, we're pretty happy with that.
0: And in terms of what's going on in South Bend, that uh, putting the ring together, I think that's, that's like T-minus two weeks before the actual event. They arrive on the 17th, and then uh, the ice doctor starts working his magic.
4: Yes, <laughs> yes. Yeah. So Dan Craig and team um, come in. And, and you know, I, I think that's one of the things that sometimes folks don't understand. It, it, it's not an overnight process. The other thing that I think takes a lot of time, and we really spend hours and hours on at the league level, is what's the field going to look like. Um, You know, I I think we've done a a really good job, and my mantra is like, "Let's make this one better than the last one." So last year, Winter Classic, you know, the theme was New York City, so we built city streets and put taxi cabs out there. Um, I don't want to give away too much of what we're going to do at Notre Dame, but I will say this that, you know, I I always point to the fact that, you know, find me a blade of grass. Like, you know, we transform these stadiums and in a in the most unique way. And it's it's a lot of fun kind of creating. Talk about, you know, you mentioned, you know, how are the teams chosen. It's pretty simple when you only have thirty one teams to choose from. We come up with hundreds of ideas that um you remember the show with homeland where you had that wall of just putting yeah. pictures up yeah. well that's what we sort of do we we get like a feel of all the different directions we want to go in and and eventually end up at the final product but It's a fun, creative process. and We we take a lot of time and really, really care about it because, again, the leave behind for our fans are what it all looks like and how different it was, especially when you're talking about Blackhawks and Bruins who have played in many of these games. Part of it is remembering what those fields look like and what the atmosphere was in the stadium that we played in that makes it different from place to place to place. As long
0: as you have a little heater for sideline radio reporters there during the game, that's probably the most. And and I want to ask you who the Claire Danes and Manny Patinkin are of the NHL offices, <laughs> yeah. as far as that goes. Yeah. You've been involved in a lot of stuff, as you mentioned, uh, uh, sp- uh, TV specials, but also big, enter- you know, entertainment shows, award shows. Um, I don't know if it's a fair question in terms of how productions like this compare to the other things you've had experiences in, but I, 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 it's all unique, I'm sure.
4: You know, and listen, you're only good, as good as your team. Uh, we, we've assembled a, a team of people, you know. I th- we we just recently uh, held a meeting at Notre Dame where we bring in all the various departments that activate a game like this. Everything from the the fire departments and the police departments of South Bend, transportation folks, bus companies, decor. You know, we 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 put up decor in hotels. We sort of change facades of the building at Notre Dame. Uh, We've got hotels and hospitals, all these various groups. And you sit there at the front of the room looking out at all these people, and you realize, wow, it takes an army to put these together. And we really have put together a team of the best of the best in the business to put these games on. You know, there's, uh, I think, 250 that are credentialed just on our team alone Mm. in order to operate the actual game itself. And that's, that's what's amazing about this. And all the experiences that I've had, you're only as good as your team. And we've got an amazing team that does this year in and year out. And the experience that they bring to each of these games makes these games unique and and well-oiled productions
0: and the blackhawks are no strangers uh to this game or being in the national spotlight was 10 years ago that they played in the second winter classic over at wrigley field but imagine having to deal with this blackhawks organization Uh, they're certainly familiar with it it's almost like uh you know working on autopilot with them
4: yeah i'm not just saying this they're amazing they uh, you know from John all the way down, everybody that we deal with is so helpful. Yeah, and yes, the experience helps. But, you know, Wrigley Field was a, a launch pad, let's face it, for what became, you know, such a successful run. Uh, it, you know, and now to see, if this is my first Winter Classic experience with a home event here in Chicago. You know, to work with this team, they've experienced this over and over. They're such a pleasure to deal with. Um It's a great experience, and yes, they, you know, there are running jokes. We've read them at the league level of like, oh, do the Blackhawks play indoors anymore? But, it, but we we're honored to have the Blackhawks as a participant in this game and games to come.
0: Yeah. And as we tape this, we're in this uh, new pop up hockey house next door for the the Blackhawks uh, team store on Michigan Avenue, and uh, it, it's a glorious it's a glorious uh, space here. Very nice, high tech. You can get all your your Winter Classic gear, which is is. Just handsome, top-notch stuff. But uh, to be here in the epicenter to pop this up, I think people are still learning uh, that, it's, that it's here. But it'll be fill, it'll be filling up pretty quick. Uh, th-
4: this is a wow. <laughs> I mean, you know, I've traveled around and I've now completed the tour of all 31 cities. This, this is incredible. Um, you know, to have a pop-up store and its location, uh, and you know, to look around and to see, wow, we're we're getting closer. Mm-hmm. This game's around the corner. And it's a real tribute to the organization, what, what the folks in Chicago feel about the Blackhawks. This is a cool spot to come down to.
0: Final one here is uh, you're also involved in the Road to the Winter Classic television series. Tell us a little about, I imagine they're going to probably start filming here this week in the four-week run. Where where can people uh, find it and see it? And uh, I've I've always enjoyed watching the -the behind-the-scenes stuff.
4: You know, it's actually funny. Uh, When we go to the team and say, hey, we would like you to participate in the next Winter Classic, one of the first questions is, are we going to be on the Road to Winter Classic? And the Blackhawks and the Bruins both done it before uh yeah so we're we're gonna um start taping as you said this week um we'll go inside again great access both teams so willing as a participant it's gonna be on nbc sports network um starts december the 19th friday nights seven o'clock and then every friday night after that although the the final episode is going to be on a sunday night and it's going to be one hour after the uh the game itself uh You know, I think there's there's so many intriguing storylines. There always are with these, um, you know, certain guys pop, they become the personalities. I think new coach in Chicago makes it a really compelling episode because I think for fans of the Blackhawks, it'll be your first real glimpse into his new world and how he's trying to establish culture. I'm sure that that is something we're going to really focus on. In Boston, they have some injuries leading up to the game, and we're going to get um, we're going to get a real in- inside glimpse at the rehab of Chara and Bergeron, mm-hmm. and will they be ready to play at a Winter Classic? And the, the, I think those are intriguing storylines as we get closer and closer to the game. But yeah, Road to Winter Classic is back, and we're we're excited to get started. Uh, Notre Dame, there, there's an aura, and I, and I hope we do the school justice with how we present the game because we are going to have nods throughout the game to the traditions of notre dame we're going to bring football players back the fact that they really they love them because you know the last three years they played a bowl game on january 1st that wouldn't have been the best. So the fact that they had an undefeated season and they're playing in the championship, uh, that's awesome. Um, so, you know, listen, um, this one's exciting for everyone at the league. Uh, we're, we, we're ready to go, and Notre Dame is going to be a great site.
0: Just so the Bruins do going to have gold in their helmets replacing the yellow.
4: Hey, listen, there was a moment where we tried. We tried. Listen, we, we've, we've talked about a lot of things creatively. Um, but, uh, yeah, uh, hopefully it's a good game, a beautiful day. Although, we'll take a little snow. We like the snow. A little right. snow in the middle of the game adds to the whole aura. As
0: I mentioned in that interview with Steve, uh, we did it at a place called the Hockey House, which is a pop-up store for the Winter Classic exclusively, merchandising for that. A couple of doors south of the Black Hawk store on the corner of Michigan and Wacker. And it is a really cool space. They've done a lot of modern stuff with it in terms of big screens, and it's not just the Winter Classic jerseys. There's a bunch of other really cool merchandise from Winter Classic pucks and sticks to other uh, outerwear, innerwear, if you will. Not underwear, I don't think, but a lot of cool stuff uh, leading up to the Winter Classic, if you have the opportunity. uh, I know Blackhawk fans have probably already spent the diehard spend a ton on merchandise, but there's really, if you like the the black white look that they're doing in this year's Winter Classic, there's a lot of of late. a lot of neat stuff at the hockey house again a couple of doors down. I think the address exact address is three thirty three um North Michigan on the east side there, a couple of doors down from the Blackhawk store um any th- final thoughts here as we wrap up i did not did not get to see you at in second intermission on on Wednesday night was it i I saw the the plate of euros and was it uh, mini mini uh, mini sandwiches? Philly cheesesteak slider that you were not privy- on Sunday, and I went out to get some once my second intermission work was done, and all the sliders were gone. Um, but that was a mighty hearty plate you had there on on Sunday, and uh, uh, I, I think. You know, by by tweeting out a picture of it, I think you were kind of uh, bashful to follow up with with more here during the second intermission on Wednesday. No,
1: that's not true. Uh, Chris accused me of hiding and, and eating, uh, kind of by where they served the food away from his sight in the press box. What happened was, I had two fajitas I made. They're very good, and uh, I went to go throw away my plate. Then I realized, you know what? They have uh, some chips too to make your own nachos. So I had a couple nachos as the period was started. And Chris uh, walked by me on his way to the bathroom, and I just started laughing because I knew he would think I was Howard. (laughs) tried to hide and, and shamefully eat by myself.
0: Yeah. So uh, and and uh, I I grabbed a couple of the Brussels sprouts, which I love. So oh, come
1: on, you got to treat yourself to something. <laughs> you can sometimes, right? At least.
0: Yeah, yeah, I do. I do have the uh, the whoppers and the uh, peanut M Ms every once in a while <laughs> to keep the energy levels up there. But we we will have to keep working on uh, uh, a challenge between you and John Wideman at some point. We're going right, to have to. They're going
1: to feed us the Winter Classic you find out what they're serving, I don't, I don't know. I don't. I'm gonna know. phone ahead. Right. Maybe bring well, me see, there's, there's gonna be another
0: instance because I, I apparently am gonna be down uh, on the ice or next to ice level. You're gonna need the a entire, telescope to, to team, look at me. The entire game. So, I'll just be searching for coffee or hot chocolate or something, <laughs> okay. something like that to to keep me warm. So,
1: oh, hey, we might we might record something from there too. So everybody should should. Uh, listen just after the winter classic mm-hmm. or, or go to wgenriacom probably uh, I think we'll have another podcast or two before oh yeah I'm trying to te- you got tease ahead these people these kids are excited about the winter classic in the, in the black jerseys they look great pump it up pump it up all right uh, well,
0: yeah, we'll do a few before though well we do have um Three more games in this homestand to see what the menu is going to be in the second intermission. We have Friday, we have Sunday, we have Tuesday. Forget about the, the Jets, the Sharks, and the Predators. The most important thing here is what the second intermission menu is going to be. So we'll be keeping a close eye on that as you follow us on Twitter. As I know, that's the most important thing you want to know from us. At Scott King Media, at Bowdoin Tweets. And uh, we're just uh, relieved that we have a victory we can talk about here. Still lots of nice. work to do. Lots of uh, digging out for this Blackhawks team to uh, dig out from as they spend stand at 10, 18, and 5 on the year. Still looking up at the rest of the entire NHL at this point. But... Um, at least we know it's not a nine-game losing streak, and uh, hopefully nothing gets as bad as it's uh, been over the course of the last couple of weeks. Want, uh, anything else you want to talk about? in terms of things you're working on, you you mentioned no, uh, Chicago. No, man? I'm just kind of staying up the speed. With you're just Planet Fox News. You're just uh, WGenerator dot com, Chelsea Blogger, NHL dot com, the straight and narrow, the straight much and much narrow. So. Well, thank you for uh, listening to this edition of the Blackhawks Crazy Podcast. You can follow along on the Blackhawks Crazy Facebook
1: page. That's Blackhawks Crazy. Uh, Filming in on this from Facebook.com slash Blackhawks Crazy for the Facebook page. It's like I have the brain cramp from
0: too much eating. You're on top of that. Uh, be sure to subscribe and uh, leave a review. You can do that on iTunes. And uh, again, thanks for joining us here. We had a little bit lengthy podcast this time around and hearing from Sakura and Sullivan and Steve Mayer about uh, the Winter Classic Park downtown. Hope you guys get a chance to check that out and hope we have a couple more victories we can talk about here in the coming weeks despite the ferocity of the schedule that's a wrap after the 6-3 Hawks victory over the Pittsburgh Penguins on a Wednesday night for Scott King I'm Chris Bowden thanks as well to Joe Romano for pasting this all together once again we'll talk to you next week